YouTube Studio. What is it? How do you get there? Can anyone get there? Can anyone see anyone else's analytics? What type of features are there? It's this huge, extremely robust, more robust than any other video platform at any time in history. And a lot of people actually don't know much about it. We're going to talk about it with Gwen Miller here and Shelly Saves the Day and myself, Dane Golden. Let's start with Gwen Miller just to explain, Gwen Miller, what is YouTube Studio as an overview? You can think of YouTube Studio as your control room as a creator. It has everything you're going to need in there to make great content, but also to understand what's making your content tick so you can make more great content. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. And we'll go to Shelly Saves the Day. Let's dive a little deeper. Okay. One thing that I want to cover that you did chat about or allude to is who can get there and who has access. So if people aren't aware, there are actually roles that can be given and designated to people. So you don't have to share passwords with people. You can give them access to maybe your analytics, your backend, so that you can have someone else come in. In fact, Gwen has access to my YouTube channel analytics because she needed a channel to go and play with the numbers. And so I don't have to give her my password or have any kind of software, like a last password type thing. She actually has her own assigned role and it has limited permission. So it is something that you can explore in the back end of YouTube Studio. And I think this is so key, something that I keep emphasizing because a lot of creators don't know about permissions and they're just handing out their password willy nilly. And this is, you know, insecure for many reasons. And let me tell you, as someone who has gone through a major hack because a coworker got hacked, the people you want to limit the amount of people who have admin access to your channel. Like you should have admin access. Maybe one really close trusted person has admin access. Otherwise you need to put everyone on a permissions basis. So they just have access to the things they need to have access. And you're limiting your chance of what damage if someone hacks that person can do to your channel. Do not Go through one of the worst experiences of my life. Protect your passwords by using permissions. It's within YouTube Studio. Go to your settings and permissions, and it's really simple and seamless and the best way to manage your, your YouTube Studio experience. But Shelly saves the day. Why should we worry about passwords at all? Isn't it just like some features and some something? What could go wrong <laughs> if a bad actor got hold of your YouTube studio? Oh, so much can go wrong, including channels that will get hijacked, even if they have two-factor authentication on, which is now so important. They've made it one of the requirements for getting into the YouTube partner program. It's that important. But channels, even like huge, big channels, they have security risks and issues where their channel can be hacked, deleted. Sometimes their content is taken off and new content is put on like streaming things about like coin and cryptocurrency and all sorts of like scams. And in fact, it can get so bad where people's channels get terminated, shut down. I've seen creators have their AdSense 
hacked where for months and months and months, they're not able to get paid. So imagine if someone came in and then just took all your money from the source. So there's so many things that could go wrong with it. And you really do need to protect yourselves. Yeah. So when it happened to my channel, the channels (laughs) I was managing, we got ours got taken over and it was three days worth of Disney porn before we could get our channels back. Oh, no. Oh, no. It It was lovely. Well, what we do, in addition to having those, you know, the the sec two-factor authentication that you talked about. Now, when we manage channels, we do a couple of things. We use password managers. Mm-hmm. We use two-factor authentication with an authenticator app. Mm-hmm. We usually use a VPN because there's lots of places you could be at a hotel. Maybe you're working at a cafe while you're waiting for to meet up with someone. Any of those things could be, you know, hacked. In addition, we also ask that each of the people we work with ha- do certain things as a good practice. And that is have a screen that automatically locks. Do not share their computer with their kids. If they do share their with kids, with kids, they must log out of the account that they are logged in for the client before the kid starts watching videos. So these are some things we do to prevent this type of problem, monetization issues, improper comments being made under the wrong account, a whole host of issues, because the YouTube studio manages all of that and and you decide who gets permission, but those permissions can be easily confused. We even recommend that if you're going to watch personal videos, even embedded videos on another channel, on an embedded videos on a website, you should just log out of the business channel and log into your own personal channel. It's good hygiene, right, Gwen? Absolutely. I have had situations where people have accidentally, without noticing it, saved saved video personal videos they are watching to playlists on the channel. This is how I figured out that one of my talent back in the day was trying to learn how to twerk because mm. she kept saving twerking videos, how to mm. twerk to various actual playlists on the channel. So yeah, just just uh, check, just glance up in the right-hand corner, see what <laughs> picture's there, change it. But if you know, another reason found. to look at that is you don't want it to affect the recommendations, the watch history and everything for each individual channel, especially if you're like a business-minded channel and you're really trying to stay within a certain type of category. The last thing you wanna do is let your kids watch you know, a whole bunch of kids programming when really you're trying to tell YouTube and hopefully they can do a good job with their algorithm in the search recommendation browse to have those other types of things. And you don't want to confuse it with more Elsa and Anna types content instead of the content you actually want to be comparing against or you want to be coming across because of the type of content you're creating. Yeah, this is especially key when you're uh, you're smaller and you are trying to execute a strategy of really building community within other small, say, business YouTubers. Yeah. And you want to be served up people within your space so that you can interact in comments and build these relationships. Yes. And, and we want to welcome everyone in the chat crew, all of Shelly Saves the Day's fans. And we've got one question I'm, we're going to ask in a second here, but I'm just going to run down 
this list of things that you do. When you go to studio.youtube.com and you're logged into your own channel, and now you should double check that your correct icon is in the top right because it's so easy to do that. And, you know, sometimes you just want to refresh that page just to make sure that you're logged into the right channel. But along the left-hand navigation, you see things like the dashboard, content, playlists, analytics, comments, subtitles, copyright, monetization, settings, and more. And uh, I forgot uh, customization, which is how you manage your homepage, the audio library, and other things. But largely, I would, I would generally split it up into features of how you manage your channel and numbers about how you analyze your channel. Would you agree with that, Shelly Saves the Day? Yes. And I think you can get as involved or service level as you want. I think YouTube has done a, a good job in providing tons and tons of data. But the problem is um, it's scary and a lot of people don't want to get into it. I think they've tried, though, with like the front splash page of some basic things. And then you click into each one of them to actually get more into it. And I'm sure Gwen's going to tell us all about it and grouping and all kinds of like fun graphs. But you can get as involved as you want, but I think they do a good job of really trying to lay out in those sections and tabs on the side to make it easier for people to kind of navigate where they need to go. And Laura H. in the chat crew says, question regarding TubeBuddy, can I use my Legend account more for more than one YouTube channel or do I need to purchase a license for each channel? And I'm just going to take the opportunity here to say that we have links to affiliate things that sponsor this channel in the description. So we have one for TubeBuddy. If you just click on that and sign up for TubeBuddy. But Laura already has a Legend account, which is the highest account. And I will turn that over to Shelly Saves the Day, who was once on staff there, <laughs> so she would know. I do know the answer to this one. This one's a good one. Basically, one license, one channel. So if you have multiple channels, then you need multiple licenses. And I want to add, when you're managing a channel for someone else, you do not have to buy a second TubeBuddy license for you, the manager, to manage it. The, the license is for the channel, not for the person managing. But, Correct, but... Oh, go ahead. But they actually do have to give you a permission within the TubeBuddy interface for you to properly manage with that account. Correct, but with the caveat of that's only available for Legend and Enterprise okay. customers. All right. Well, who would get, who would want anything but the top <laughs> service from TubeBuddy? And I, I tell you one thing you get from TubeBuddy, and this is not sponsored, just an affiliate. One of the things that I love about the Legend that you just can't get in any other service that I know of in an easy format is the A-B thumbnail and title testing. Yeah. Gwen Miller, what would, what would we find if we did thumbnail testing? How would that reflect out into YouTube analytics? What would, that, what would we see? What would we start to see if we started to do thumbnail or title testing? How would we determine within the analytics, not within TubeBuddy, if there's a change? Yeah, so you're going to be looking at your click-through rate here, right? So if you kind of think of 
the the algorithm of YouTube split into two parts. One part of it is just thinking, how do I get to people into the video? How do I get them to click that thumbnail? And that's reflected in your click-through rate, which is essentially how many people clicked versus how many people saw it in the first place. So what percentage of people who saw your thumbnail actually clicked on it? The second half of your equation, right, is watch time, that average duration, how far did they get? So in terms of thumbnails, you need to be looking at that click through. You need to ignore the average duration. You need to not be looking at overall views because it's kind of a combo of the two. You need to look at how it affects click through rates. Now, the, the, the caveat with TubeBuddy is that it isn't quite apples to apples in terms of you're not, you know, like running those tests simultaneously. You know, we have been bugging YouTube for a long time as a community to give us A-B testing within the actual like YouTube application, right? Because then you could theoretically have two thumbnails running simultaneously and you could serve it out to, you know, you could have, you know, essentially group A and group B serving at the same time, look at that click-through rates. It would be apples to apples have a much cleaner decision. TubeBuddy has kind of hacked something together, which is brilliant, and it's kind of the best we can do without YouTube doing it itself. And in that case, you just kind of have to, you know, understand that click-through rates do change over time. So you have to be a little bit careful. Like if you do it within that first 48 to 72 hours, that's mostly going to be your core audience. So they yep. tend to have a higher click-through rate. Whereas once you get past that mm, 48 to 72 hour mark, now you're opening it up to a much wider audience. So say you ran one thumbnail for the first three days and then flipped, it might be a little bit hard to tell if if that is you know, if that is your thumbnail or if that's just the natural changes. I've always, because of that, run all my A-B tests via AdWords and thrown some money behind it so I can run them at the same time. But there's also basic problems with that system. So I'd love to hear from Shelly, since you have more experience <laughs> with the TubeBuddy tool, how you find, you found that doing that type of A-B testing has worked for you. Ooh, man, there's a lot to unpack in what you've just packaged and given me. So yes, you're completely correct that it is not a simultaneous it's a 24 of one and then a 24 of the other and then it's either a metadata test or it's a thumbnail test so with metadata it could be a change in tags title or description and with the thumbnail it's going to be more so the movie poster that you see before you click into the video right. you're absolutely also correct with the ctr and the numbers and impressions and everything is going to change based on the length and velocity of it being published the first 48 hours is usually always going to go to subscribers and they should hopefully know you. And you're going to see a lot more with your facial recognition. And that's, it's not really clean data or a fair test because if you then switch it into something else, it's, you know, it's, it's hopefully going to people who aren't subscribed to you. And hopefully it's based on the average view durations of percentages. If it can hit and browse suggested and also get into those other categories for people to click on it. So it is really hard. I also want to put out a note, even though I know that people have been screaming about this for years, please, please give it to us. The average number of people or percentages that also don't even use custom thumbnails. Do you remember how like, like it's so awful, sure, but I also sure. believe with 51 million YouTube channels and 500 hours of content every one minute, they have bigger problems than trying to also parse and give us data, which half of the hmm. people, more than half the people won't even look or parse through. And, and truly understand. And I think it's probably almost like too much data for them to even, it's, the juice isn't worth the squeeze for them. You know what I mean? I, I just don't know if I would really 
really truly ever see it happening except for maybe a small beta in a very small percentage with very high performing like channels. Now, I, I want to jump thoughts. in here. One of the games you do is you say one thing after another, another, and you just go around in a circle. I'd like to try that. We can name a different feature or something that's in the studio that's different than what's before. I forget around. my name in these types of games. <laughs> well, then you will lose. You will lose. So I'm going to start with audience retention. Now, Shelly, then, then Gwen, and then me. Anything. Oh, Shelly and then Gwen, then me. Okay, I'm going to say subscribers gained. I'm going simple. Views. Playlists. <laughs> I'm going to go with countries that your audiences are coming from. Viewer. Geography. Watch time. Customization. Estimated revenue. Real-time views. <laughs> I, I was going to say real-time views. Comments. Updated comments. Last comments. Impressions. Your top content in this period. Ooh, good Video one. details. Traffic sources. Latest videos. YouTube search terms that your video is being found on. Oh, viewers also watched. Impressions. I already said that one. Oh. Posts. Are we done? Posts. <laughs> no. Posts. Your, your viewer searches. Impressions click-through rate? I already said that. What? I'm not going to let uh, you off easy it, with this one. Is it overview? Is it dashboard? Dashboard. <laughs> I'm going to go with, I think, did I do geography? Yeah. What about geography. the hours that your audience is online? Ooh, yeah, best like time that. to publish. You know what I mean? <laughs> Top moments. Permissions. Per managing permissions. Likes. My favorite, which is returning viewers. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, uh, unique. Oh, sorry. Not your turn. Creator Insider embedded videos <laughs> from, from the Creator Insider channel. Unique viewers. Ooh, that's a good one. I love uh, that one. Top subtitle languages. Relative audience retention on an individual video. Advanced awesome. mode. Ooh, Subscriber bell notifications, which I, I do not believe in. <laughs> Subtitles. Playlists. Oh, I think Other, someone said that one. I did, but that's okay. okay. I, Other channels your audience's watches. Your audience watches. End well. screens. I'm out. Okay. Are we done? Yay, we did it. Yay. <laughs> so what you do at the end of improv is everyone applauds for everyone else. Yay. That's good. So it just, it just shows you just the richest is just feature upon feature upon feature that you don't have in any other social media platform. You don't have in any other video platform. And I'll include every single television network. I am sure that whoever watches the data on television doesn't get this granular of data and features of what to do. So let's dive into one of your favorite features, Gwen Miller, that no one else uses what is what is that? What would be one of your favorite? I've heard you talk about it. It's a new feature. I have a. I, I mean, my absolute favorite favorite is returning viewers, but I don't know mm -hmm. if is that a, that obscure anymore. Is this or is it one of the other ones that I'm obsessed with? Well, let's talk about returning viewers. Did we already say talk about it in depth, or just give us analysis of it? <sighs> 
So returning viewership, the reason I am, everyone's probably tired of me talking about returning viewership is this gets to the core of what really builds a successful long-term YouTube career, which is building a strong core audience. And the problem has been in the past when all you're taking is signals from your overall views number. It, you know, again, we're going to talk about uh, my favorite thing, the funnel, the <laughs> funnel. So if Just you imagine your audience there. coming in, you know, at the top of the funnel is new viewers. There is more people out there who have never seen your channel before than who have not. Even if you're Mr. Beast, even if you're PewDiePie, there is actually more people audience out there who have not seen you than have seen you. So the potential audience at the top of the funnel is, is very large and it's new viewership. And then as you go down, you get, okay, then there's the population of people who've actually seen your content for the returning viewers. So what happens for 95% of channels, and someday we can talk about the 5% who have this flipped, is new viewers always make up a higher percentage of reviews than returning viewers. So what happens here is if all you're doing is paying attention to that overall views number and making whatever gets the most views, you are never really optimizing for your core audience, which means every single time you put up a video, you churn, you churn, you churn. You're always going after that new audience. You know what makes it so you don't burn out? You have a core audience that's gonna come back over and over again. So you need to be breaking out those audiences and making sure you know what your core audience likes and doesn't like. So looking at those returning viewer metrics is super key. Now. You might say, well, we always had subscribe versus unsubscribe views, but so much of your core audience actually doesn't subscribe and they don't have to because the homepage is going to serve you up if they if they watch you on a regular basis. So I there's definitely people who are super fans of you who've never thought to hit that subscribe button. So now you can understand what they're thinking in a way that's been unprecedented in the, the lifespan of YouTube. And I want to say that we have reached a new world record now of the amount of time that Shelly has not said it depends. <laughs> and, and anyone in the chat crew, I will drink the red or blue water bottle depending on what you say because clearly Shelly has not said it and I'm thirsty. <laughs> so, so, so go ahead. I will tell you one of the secret things that I like most about YouTube Analytics, which is a subset of YouTube Studio. And by the way, I think I said it before, if you want to find them, you're logged into your account, studio.youtube.com or analytics.youtube.com is, is a shortcut, or I think youtube.com slash analytics. At any rate, the if you look at your traffic sources for an individual video or for the channel, and you go in, you drill down to YouTube. Now, most of your traffic is not going to come from YouTube search unless you're, you know, a very, very intense how-to channel that has a wide disparate amount of content, which can happen. Like you reviewed software, but all different kinds of software, you can get a lot of searches that way. But you will see what people are searching for that they click and watch your channel and the amount of time they spend watching a video on average, it doesn't necessarily which say which video if you look on the overall channel analytics, but here's how I think of what that means. It doesn't mean we should build our videos around what people are searching for, 
But what it does tell us is sort of the word cloud that people are thinking about when they think about a video like ours. In addition, it's also what people are thinking about when they think about our channel. So if you say your channel is about cooking and you see a lot of things about makeup in there, well, that's what your channel really is about. Even if there's a small amount of views coming in from search, the algorithm I think is highly influenced by search and says if people are clicking on certain words and liking certain videos, those types of people, we're gonna serve up more in the recommendations on the homepage, browse features, and suggested. And by the way, if you ever see what browse features are in your analytics, that basically means the homepage of the app or the youtube.com. So Shelly, what is a analytic or feature that you sort of dig and you maybe other people aren't so enthusiastic about? Okay, actually, I'm going to do the inverse. Okay, and I'm going to say, here's one that I think is interesting that I think most people get wrong. And okay. that is click-through rate. A lot oh. of people put a lot of emphasis on click-through rate and we can understand it's a percentage of how many times you see it and then how many times you actually click on it. However, I will see people go and focus completely only on a click-through rate percentage and forget everything else, like average view duration, and not realize that they have to be married together for success to really be in those analytics. And so also there's a lot to be said. Like if you get on like next up or trending or something like that, your impressions skyrocket and your CTR tanks, but you're getting tons of views from a lot of those other sources. So if you're only basing it off of, did I get double digits or not? It's such an incomplete picture, but it's what so many people are always asking, like, what's your click-through rate? What's your click-through rate? And I think that's also why there's such a huge variation in what Mm -hmm. they even say in their documentation. It says, two to 10%. And you think about that, it's a very wide, you know, chasm of like differential that both ends of those spectrums can exist with like billions of impressions with a 2% Mm -hmm. versus, you know, a 10% with 100 impressions, you know, it's not the same. So that's one that I just think people get wrong all the time. And I want to follow up with Shelly on this. Because Shelly, we talk about we, you know, we know, click through rate, we know audience retention like the back of our hand. This is our bread and butter. But I, but for the folks that may not know it as well as we do, could you just dive a little bit deeper into why those are important and what those are exactly? Well, another thing about click-through rate is, just as Gwen alluded to before, and you did as well, with there being different sources for traffic, whether it's going to be coming from search or browse suggested anything like that or if it happened to be a youtube short where it's almost always going to be the views are going to come from inside the carousel and they're not even served a thumbnail so that one gets all out of whack too but (laughs) each one of those places will have separate click-through rates so you could be doing really well in browse and suggested but tank in search and vice versa so it could be very much a tale of, I really like the title, but I don't know who you are, or I really like who this person is. I have no idea. I don't really care. I'll just watch it. So Mm. there's so much to unpack. I'm going to go with it depends 
everything. Uh-huh. It depends on where you see it. It depends on who's actually being shown it. It depends on if there isn't is going to be a thumbnail. So there's five. It depends for you. So you can get five drinks of water. So, I mean, it just really like it, there's so much to unpack in that one metric. And most people never dig a little deeper with that one. And let's go into audience retention. And Gwen, could you tell us what what it is exactly and why it's important? Audience retention is the reason I'm doing YouTube to data data today. Wow. Like it is the thing that I discovered. I, I'm old enough. I started out in television. Like we did not have this level of data. We had one number, it was the Nielsen rating, and it was terrible. And now I when I moved over into digital, I was like, hold up, wait a second. We know every second of our audience's reaction to our content. Because that's what audience retention is. It's every single person. It's not panel data, it's not a sample. It is everybody who's passed through your content. And for every second, essentially what the audience retention graph tells you, the absolute audience retention graph tells you what percentage of your audience is still there. So like maybe at, you know, 55 seconds, you know, 65% of your audience is still there. Now, this gets a little bit hard to parse, right, Dane? Because, like, is that good? Is that bad? Who knows? Enter relative retention graphs, which essentially is that same data, but instead of giving you a percentage, YouTube's going to tell you, uh, we're going to benchmark you against every other piece of content that's the same length, and are you doing above average, average, or below average? And you can start to see the nuances of what your audience is doing in your content. When are they leaving? When are they like, ooh, leaning in and staying? You can use this to start honing your craft. I'm going to say one other thing too, though. One of the nuance is not just time of video or length, but also type of video. And I know that we had that conversation before, Dane, as well, showing the different types of audience retention graphs that typically come from the different type of content, whereas a tutorial has a different graph than some sort of like storytelling climactic ending Mm -hmm. versus some other things. So it's not unusual to see a chart that completely tanks if it's a tutorial because people stay as long as they need to to get what they need and then they bounce after that, right? Whereas some type of thing where, you know, you need to stay till the end. Did they get the girl or did they climb the Mm -hmm. mountain or did they whatever? You need to stay till the end usually to see that. So like it's it's, it's the inverse. Yeah. So you're telling me that when I see a view count on a video, not every single person that's watched that video has watched to the very, very, very end. Is that correct? Usually the majority have not. (laughs) Usually the majority have not. Like you're you're lucky if you get 35, 40% at the end of your video, as much as we would like. And and the goal is to, you know, hopefully get to 50. If the goal is 50, I mean, that's half your audience that never makes it there. So... Yeah, so 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 our goal by looking at this data is to make a change of some sort and that is often to engage in whatever way keep the customer the viewer engaged and watching longer so we look for ways in consistency there's nothing we can do about the video that's been out we can only look forward and say we've learned that people don't like when you're doing a cooking video and you do a blender, right? Mm-hmm. We don't, you don't like it? Raising the hand, you like it? No, I'm saying there, I, I was just waiting my turn and then I would say, I disagree. There are things that you can do. There are things you can do. Oh, okay. Like going into YouTube Studio Editor, I know that Mr. Beast talked about this at VidSummit sometimes. They'll say, like, if there's a certain section in the video that's dragging, 
or they're seeing that the retention is going off the rails, they'll actually go into studio and actually just cut it because it's already published. And that's the only thing you do is like cut out a section or trim the beginning, but they will actually make those changes. Okay, so they go into YouTube Studio and they go to the editor. But what does editor mean in this case? What does the feature do? Typically, the editor is most used for things like, oops, I put something private on screen that I shouldn't have. Let me add a blur. Or, oops, I just got hit with a copyright claim and I need to change out the music is something. Or, oops, I just, or this isn't an oops. Oops, I had a live stream with a five-minute countdown and I'd like to go in and chop off the first five minutes. Or... I had a tutorial webinar where I did something and then it's question and answer the rest of it. But I really just want people to have the first 30 minutes of training. So I'm actually going to cut off the last half an hour or something like that is the most common use cases that I've seen for for videos. But I, I can't go in and insert into my super popular video. Hey, I just got sponsored by Mountain Dew. I'm just going to wedge that in there after the video is already live. You no. can only take away Deletions things. only pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, I, so have, I have seen one of the tricky things that some like corporate kind of channels have been doing, like the more, you know, the prof- more professional ones, quote unquote, is sometimes they'll put multiple sponsor reads in. And then they can just go switch out which one they cut them in and they cut them out when they. I have seen that actually for people who have a sponsored content and they had it where they'd only keep the sponsored section in maybe for the first year. And so they edited the video. So it, it was like literally plunked into the center of the video. And so it doesn't matter or you wouldn't miss it if it was cut out and they'll go in and they'll chop it and then they'll take it out and say, if you're not paying to continue to keep it in there, I'm cutting it out. I, I've, I've had in the past, and I don't think it's happened lately, but whatever video editor we were using in the past, we tried, you know, editing some stuff and then all the audio got out of sync because of whatever, how, whatever export we were using. But I think the YouTube technology is a lot better. I, w- I wanted to point out, it is today anyway, I wanted to point out, Chantel Hill says, the level of detail in the information that YouTube provides is just crazy. But understanding it takes a whole new level of skills. Whoever would like to say, how can someone learn more about the skills in, instead of waiting for Gwen Miller's future channel to come I know, out? We're all waiting. We're how, all waiting. How can, how can we learn about that? I'll ask either one if you'd like to take this one. I mean, my answer is wait for wait for my channel. It has been very interesting to me, and I, this is just a factor of it is a niche skill set. It's why I have a job. Like, not a lot of people want to tackle the complexity that can be, but it can be very simple. It's just you have to know how to do it. And unfortunately, because of you know most of the YouTube Guru channels won't do like the intricate how to you need for that because they probably get like two hundred views. Whereas if they put out another video of how to game the YouTube algorithm. Them, yep. they're going to get a lot more views. So right now, there just isn't a lot of content out there for this, which is why I'm starting my channel. But I will say, YouTube, to Shelley's earlier point, is getting a lot better at like teaching you within studio. I do want to say one of the reasons, though, additionally that you have it is that it takes a special brain to be able to not only take the data and manipulate data, but to have a correlation, causation, and prediction model that you're able to put together. So it's one thing for people to try and interpret, what does it mean? But it's another to be like, 
if we tweak this, we think this would change. Or the reason why this is happening to you is because of past decisions that you've made, which you can see in this data over here. So that's a special brain that isn't out there. But can anyone learn to understand a few of the main ones that really are enough to get started? Yes, absolutely. Let, absolutely. Let, absolutely. Let, let Anyone me point can do out. This. It's grade school math, people. <laughs> let me point out. Yeah. Let, yeah. And by the way, I'm really good at YouTube analytics. I took, I took a statistics at UCLA. I got a D minus. So I took it again to get a better grade. And I got a D minus again. <laughs> And I'm still good at YouTube analytics. So if I can do it, you can do it. It's a different type of brain. I would say it's less of a data brain and more to Shelley's point. How well are you at interpreting that into real life? You know, and a lot of that is just the time you spent. Like I would say, like I came in, I didn't, I didn't even have a math class in college. Like I have like 10th grade math was the last time I took a major math class, but it really was, I had the drive to want to spend a lot of time in the data. Like, and like your retention graphs, it's great. But if you look at one retention graph, it's going to tell you nothing. You have to look at a ton of retention graphs. So, you know, to Shelly's point, what does a retention graph look like for your channel and your topic area and you start seeing those patterns over time so really yeah. it's i find it's people who are good at seeing patterns more than anything else and who can then have the experience of having ran their channel for a while dedicated the time to being in their analytics and then you start just seeing those connections oh when i do this this pops up in the data and then like i'm going to see this again if i do this again and you just see those patterns and you see those patterns and i would also suggest that people do groupings a lot of people don't always oh, do groups. groupings but groupings of things like you can't compare a two-hour live stream that you did on a Saturday morning to a 10-minute video to a YouTube short, right? You've got 125% retention on the YouTube short, 5% retention on, <laughs> on, on your live stream. I mean, you've got all sorts of apples and oranges being compared here, and you can't do that. You need to kind of suss it out and have it make sense together because I think some people get really confused. They they see one number and it's actually an aggregate and it's not individual or groups of like all of my yeah. cooking content or all the times I talk about YouTube strategy or all the times I talk about like video editing. Those have to be bucketed together so it makes sense and you're comparing video editing versus video editing. You're comparing YouTube stuff versus YouTube stuff and that's what's important and so I think people get that wrong. Yeah. I also want to address something that Pixel Pia just said, which is it is not easy to look at your own data without your e ego interfering. And this is why it can be nice to have someone else look at your data. So maybe it's just a friend who also has a YouTube channel and you swap channels and give each other, you know, like actual, like honest feedback based on what you see in the data. You know, this is why Shelly will have me look at her data. Shelly's perfectly capable of looking at her own data, but sometimes when you're in it day in and day out, it can be hard to get, you know, like get yourself out of the, but I've been doing this for three years. And <laughs> I think there's a lot of like self-sabotaging, like explanation yeah. that tries to happen when you're looking at yeah. and interpreting your own data. Oh, well, th that was a weird fluke or, oh, this doesn't mean anything or, oh, right. you know, it's not usually like that. And you have someone who's unattached from the entire thing. Be like, right. every time you do this, this happens. Why are you continuing to do this? You're right. like, okay, all right, thank you. That's, that's why therapists <laughs> need therapists. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, Shelly this year didn't realize she hadn't posted any long form videos until I pointed it out. I was like, thank you for that. <laughs> well, and it wasn't even, it wasn't even, it was more so like, I can't do a data analysis on your channel because you don't even really have clean data. It was like garbage in, garbage out. I was like, thank you. I will make some videos so you have more data to pull. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to I want to just cover some comments in the chat crew here. They've really done some really great comments here. Tay International said I just started editing out editing out parts of past live streams. I'm curious Tay if you're taking them out of the video that's sitting on the live stream already or are you using it for clips which you can do but just not using the YouTube edit tool. Annette Portolatin says, I'm still here listening. Great conversation. Chantel Hill says, I don't like editing a live stream because you lose the chat. And that's correct. If you ever edit a live stream, you lose the live chat. Now that will happen on Shelly's version of this live stream. Not on mine because everyone's watching from Shelly's version. So I don't have a lot of chat (laughs) coming through. I don't understand this comment. I just want to make sure I don't say something weird. Uh, Shelly, could you identify what's going on with the dog pig comments? I just want to, I'm like, what's... So, channel members, I have channel memberships turned on on my YouTube channel. And based on how long they've been a channel member, you have the option of going with YouTube's blanket set of little badges that turn different colors the longer that they are members. I have uploaded custom ones. And so she said, why am I a pig? And I said, first of all, it's not a pig emoji. It's a puppy emoji. It's an homage to my puppies. And so I think the puppy is like, if you've been a member for a little bit of time. And so, and like, as you go on, if like you've been here a year, then you get like the space needle or you get something else. And I just wanted something special versus the YouTube specific ones. (laughs) Great. And uh, Pixelpia also says that it's not easy to... Look at data without your ego interfering. It's just like having someone edit your own videos or ed- rather edit your own writing. You know, you say, yeah, 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 I just want you to look over, just have one thing. And they come back with 500 things. Oh, they're so know. offended, too, when you do. Oh, I, I've had people do that. And I'd be like, cut this, cut this, cut this. It's 30% shorter. And they're like, but and I'm like, oh, I didn't ask for any of your backstory. I just asked you to cut these pieces out. Thank you. If you can see it when when major writers get so big that their editors can no longer essentially control them, like and suddenly their books become like bloated, like a thousand page where you're like, you could easily lose 400 pages, 500, 600 pages of this and it'd be a better book. But, you know, or when great movie directors, some movie director gets famous and they're like, wow, this guy can do anything. This woman can do anything. And then. They give them, say, just make anything you want, and they don't really push them too hard, and they make something that's just really bad. <laughs> yeah, there's the, ca- the occasional director's cut that you're like, yeah, good job, studio. <laughs> good, good on you for cutting this one down. <laughs> so I think another great conversation. And uh, until next week, Shelly, tell us where people can find your great, awesome stuff. Please come hang out on Shelly Saves the Day. And Gwen Miller, where can people find you? I am Gwen Miller on LinkedIn and Gwen I am on, which is Gwen and then the letter I, the letter M on Twitter. And I do, I am hard at work on that YouTube channel. Hope to have it up soon. 
We have a link in the description. We'll have a lot of pre-subscribers. And my name is Dane Golden, and we do this almost every week, not next week. And until next week, here's to helping you help your customers through video.